Hey, everybody. Great chat today around, guess what, 6G. Yes, you heard me right, 6G, super exciting topic over the next years and decade. Uh, today, I have Alex Lawrence, Managing Editor of 6G World. Alex, how are you? Yeah, I'm doing well. Thanks, Evan. Um, I really appreciate the chance to be on here and, and talking about 6G. And I'm excited to have you here. It's a topic that's of personal and professional interest uh, and, and to many of my viewers. Before we dive in, maybe introduce yourself, Alex. And and what is 6G World? Is it is it like an amusement park, like Disney World, or <laughs> is that is that something something else? Uh, yeah, 6G World is a media outlet. It's a, it's a very small one, but we're looking really at, at what comes after 5G, and and how do we get there in, in a way that makes it useful for uh, you know the the general public and and doesn't end up destroying either the planet or, or the sort of companies that are trying to bring it to life. So. Fantastic. Well, let's start with some definitions. Um, how would you define 6G or the technology today? And, and uh, what's what's the Oxford English Dictionary definition, let's say? Uh, 6G today, between you and me, is, is largely um, – hype at the moment oh, in, in the title is beyond so the so we have to <laughs> <laughs> in so far as you know there's there's not been uh, any one specific definition yet um so i mean what happened was a, a couple of years back um a variety of different national governments realized that um things like 3g and 4g and, and even 5g were kind of good for the economy but the benefits weren't evenly spread about mm. um and you know there are all these kinds of issues around you know trust and privacy online and and so on um and so they set out different uh priorities and visions for you know what they wanted the future to be like and and not so much what technology they wanted but but what outcomes they wanted for society you know something that's you know greener that that can overcome the the digital divides that we've got mm. um and all these kinds of things so the the essentially after that the rest of the the sort of research industry and and all this kind of things been been getting on board with that and trying to to clarify what those different visions look like and and how we take them and and turn those into technology requirements um and and other pieces um and there's there's kind of a, a business layer as well which which i think is still very vague at the moment as to how we we actually go about moving from where we are today and and make money from any of that so uh, at the moment it's it's all boiling away in this this sort of great great pool of uncertainty it, it's starting to become clearer but it, it's, um, yeah, just at, at the right moment for it to be controversial and and for us to steer it in one way or another. Well, I'm glad we're talking now. It sounds like a timely discussion. Um, and is the idea that 6G is more than just another G? It's not 2G, 3G, 4G, 5G. But, you know, is the vision of quite a transformational one, not just, you know, higher speeds, for example? A lot of that depends on who you talk to. Um, you know, there there are people who 
you know, have become very good at, you know, a particular kind of technology, for example. Mm. And, you know, for them, kind of breaking out of that, that mindset is difficult because, you know, we do what we're good at, by and large. Um, I mean, I, if you ask me, um, I think 6G is becoming clearer that it's going to probably be a set of different technologies. So where, mm. where like 3G and 4G and, and, and 5G have been sort of mainly about you know, a new radio technology or this kind mm-hmm. of thing and faster cellular. In 6G, we're probably looking more at a whole variety of things in terms of um, sort of software underlying how uh, connections work um, to, to make a, a network of networks. So, um, you know, instead of your phone, let's say, linking just to Vodafone or you know, AT&T or, or whoever, um, and then roaming from that, if if you don't have coverage, it might be going to you know, Wi-Fi, anyone else's um, cellular, you know, including maybe like a local town or, or, or hospitals uh, cellular, could be going to satellite, whatever it is. It's just doing whatever it needs to do to get you that service um, wherever you happen to be at, at whatever time. and. Um, I mean, that, that sounds kind of obvious on one level that you know, mm. stuff should just work. But, you know, as, as somebody living in, in England, um, I can't reliably make a phone call if I'm on a train. So just mm. being able to do that would be revolutionary. Um, and, you know, we've we heard cases of, for example, I think it was in, in France where they tried fitting ambulances with 5G so that, they could be having like live video consultations with doctors mm-hmm. while the ambulance was still traveling. Um, and the problem being that you don't reliably have 5G everywhere. So mm-hmm. uh, they they pulled that plan back because it was more dangerous than, than not having the service mm-hmm. at all. Wow. Um, so, so, yeah. So, yeah, we've, we've seen a challenging decade-long ramp up to 5G and – We've seen some over commitment there and under delivery. Even right now, we're only getting standalone 5G, which is all the sort of ultimate benefits uh, happening right now. And people are already talking about 5.5G or, or something 5G advanced. So it's been a long yeah. road. So what are what are some of the challenges now that the industry is facing with the development and implementation of 6G? Like what are the roadblocks that need to be overcome? Well, I mean, you're you're right. I mean, in many ways, the 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 sort of situation now is one of the the biggest challenges because, um, you know, a lot of telcos have put huge amounts of investment into five G to, you know, secure rights to the spectrum and to to deploy these networks, um, while they're still keeping their four G networks running and all this kind of thing. So. Um, you know, and they're not seeing much money coming back in for all this investment, which is a problem for them. So, uh, you know, if you were to, to speak to them, say, 12, 18 months ago about 6G, you'd see the panic in their eyes at the thought that they've got to do this all over again. Um, and, uh, you know, I think since then they, they've actually 
sort of sent quite a lot of messages to the market going, well, we, we don't want to be doing this again. So mm. what what we're starting to look at actually is is a much more sensible approach, I think, which is to to take 5G, 5G advanced, and in a perfect world for the, the telcos, 6G would just be like some software upgrades that they can mm. roll out or, you know, a, a variety of different capabilities that they can, you know, plug into the network, see if it takes off, maybe take it back if it doesn't. A bit like, you know, Google trying out new upgrades to um, to its services and, you know, rolling them out worldwide if it if it seems successful and, and taking them away if it's not. Um, so, so that would be a completely different business model for, uh, you know, what, what a new kind of network is. But also... It, that would hopefully make it a lot easier for uh, end users as well. I mean, if you didn't have to buy a new phone with a new um, kind of connection, brilliant. Yeah, and I, I'm just happy to have eSIM. So uh, I, I would, you know, <laughs> that, that, that's been a delight. So give us a, a state of play on the R&D uh, that's being done globally around 60. It does seem there's being a lot of work done in labs and telcos and silicon software. You know what's being done, and what countries are really investing heavily in that? Yeah, um, you're right in terms of uh, countries investing heavily, and this this kind of goes back to what we were talking about before with this this idea of um, tying into what kind of societies and, and countries governments want to end up with. Um, so, I mean, there are the usual suspects, I, I suppose, sort of traditionally in telecoms uh europe's been a, a contender with the likes of sort of nokia and ericsson as as big dogs um uh in the far east you've got um china was never never to be um uh ignored um but then the usa and, and north america more generally sort of saw that in 5g companies like huawei were really taking the crown I guess, and mm-hmm. they they're being much more assertive um, in in terms of driving towards a six G that's not only uh, technically sensible but also ties in with these different uh, values to do with you know the right kind of society, um, the right kind of sustainability, um, making something that's a lot more energy um, uh, efficient. Uh, those kinds of things. So, you know, those those three players you'd kind of expect, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. But then we're hearing countries like uh, India. Um, they've they've launched their own um, uh, Bharat Six G Alliance just recently, and and they're they're actually uh, trying to take a, a, a much greater role. And I think largely this is because. If it's more of a software play, then then India's got some huge amounts of expertise in that, and they they sort of um, their engineers are, are are sort of coming out of a huge number of um, universities there. So so they they've got a real opportunity to to play a role there. Um, and countries like uh, Singapore or Australia, even Brazil, um, because we've got. Um, things to do with not just the the, the technology um, 
as we'd normally expect, but different elements of software and all this kind of thing. It's it's giving different players a chance to to join in in new ways. Um, but uh, you know, countries like Japan, um, they don't talk explicitly about six G, but beyond five G, um, and they're really um, doing some interesting things. For example, with with photonics. So. Mm. Um, uh, they they're sort of looking at, at if you can create um, networks that don't actually rely on electrons and electronics at all, but if you can just use light um, and, and photons, so that you don't have to to for example send light down a fiber optic cable, um, then switch that light signal to electricity mm-hmm. to go through a, a server and and back to light again and, and so on which uses energy in all those transitions, but just can we save energy by, by just sending light all the way through this, which has completely different physics and stuff, but they're, they're doing some mind-boggling things there. Whether that falls into 6G or, or whether it just falls into, oh, wow, who knows yet. But The um, next big thing, right? Yeah, I was actually yeah. at their research event at NTT, recently in San Francisco where they introduced this photonic network and it was mind blowing literally. Um, and yeah, sustainability is the number one goal. It's not, it's not all the other seven or eight goals that that are key. It's, it's, uh, you know, building, you know, low energy, lower power consumption, lower cost, uh, of materials and recycling. Yeah. It's a pretty novel approach. So given all this this activity, is there a risk uh, that there's a fragmentation kind of globally of standards? I mean, you work for GSMA. The beauty was, you know, you had one standard globally and it could be implemented and you had this one ecosystem. Uh, that might not necessarily be the case here, or will it? Um, that's a really good question. Nobody inside Telco wants that to happen. Um, mm. But on the other hand, this is a really um, confusing and complex time. So, uh, you know, the standards in in mobile, for example, are managed by 3GPP and and so on. But if we're wanting a network of networks where pretty much your phone or whatever device just goes with what's available and and will work, then they've got to start working with the satellite players and the people that, that sort of manage the broadband and Wi-Fi and all this kind of thing. So um, instead of having one standards body, really, that can get together and, and bring all this together, um, we're going to end up with like this this club all trying to work together and, and make all their um, technologies as as seamless as possible. So it's it's going to be an incredibly complicated time, I think, just for people to get the right process going on. Um, I mean, honestly, I, I suspect that what will happen is, um, you know, I've talked about 6G maybe being a, a variety of different technologies all, all kind of working together. And and so probably what we'll end up with is um, maybe a, a, this whole smorgasbord of different bits and pieces mm. that adds up to, to 6G and different countries will implement different bits or, or different operators will will sort of pick and choose among those. So you'll get, you know, maybe let's say in, in 20 years' time, 
Japan will be very 6G-ish, whereas um, you know, Kenya will be a bit 6G. Mm. Um, and uh, there'll be stuff that, that works wherever you are in the world and, and some, some functionality like maybe, I don't know, hologram calling or something that doesn't. Yeah, great, great point. I guess the X factor as well is uh, satellite, uh, pun intended. I mean, we didn't have broadband satellite to this scale with Starlink and others when 5G was being defined and, and developed. Um, what's the role of satellite in 6G? Is that part of the conversation as well? Yeah, very much so. Um, and uh, there have been some really interesting moves afoot there. Um, I mean, some people, depending on who you talk to, um, are looking at that as being really revolutionary, and that's especially in places where we don't already have big mm-hmm. sort of fiber networks. Um, but, you know, we're, we're talking to people who are imagining essentially replacing all, all of the the fiber that you might have to build out just with links to different um, satellite constellations to be sort of, you know, the equivalent of your local cell tower or the equivalent of the the enormous fiber cables that, that run in between continents and this kind of thing. Um, and it it makes a lot of sense in, in many ways if it if it can be made at the right price, essentially, and and, uh, and to carry the, the right kind of um, quantities of data. Uh, but that's really exciting, you know. If you end up with like you know, terrestrial infrastructure and space infrastructure all working together, then um, that's that's going to be huge. Yeah, brilliant. Um, you know, I know we we don't know exactly the use cases that will win with with six G, but we can imagine some really interesting ones. I'm ex- excited about the medical. Use cases, the internet of of medical things. Uh, there's a lot we can't do today with sensors and and uh, and monitoring of patients that might be suited to to six G. What what kind of use cases are you envisioning beyond you know making calls on trains? Uh, <laughs> but what else are you excited about that it could be enabled that couldn't exist otherwise? Well, I think there's. There's a whole bunch of bits and pieces that that have caught my eyes, but I think one of the the things that sounds simple um, but probably isn't is is the idea that in in two G um, it was all about sending voice between different people. Mm-hmm. In in four G we got up to video and data, um, and in six G some people are suggesting that this might be where we start being able to send. AI algorithms between mm-hmm. different places. So, you know, rather than, uh, you know, as, as people do now for ChatGPT, you know, we, we type in an instruction on our, our laptops or our phones, it goes to the cloud and then comes back again. Um, it's like drop that algorithm on your phone and then nobody can intercept what you're sending back and forth. Um, and you've just got, if you like your your own personal AI on there to to do these things for you, um, which could be a good thing in terms of you know privacy, security, um, and, and all those kinds of good things, which which can help build trust in um, this in, in 
increasingly complex tech environment. I, I would love that if that happened, or if if I could have like this little AI concierge that that basically sort of follows me around all over the place and and just manages all, all of you know, yes. a whole bunch of my apps and stuff for me. Um, Fantastic in, in the location where, where I actually am. That would be brilliant. Yeah, so many opportunities. Um, so let's let's shift a little bit to you and the 6G symposium that's coming this fall. Um, tell us about that. What's what's on the agenda there, and what can people expect? How can they get involved uh, as well? Oh, thanks. Yeah. Um, so 6G symposium is is one of two events that that we run each year um, in partnership with. Uh, various organizations like it, it in this case, uh, ATIS Next G Alliance, Northeastern University, and Interdigital. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it, essentially, the idea is to get very smart people from a wide variety of different backgrounds together to, to try and break out of, if you like, our, our, our legacy habits of thought and, and talk about actually how do we go about making something that isn't just, uh, if you like, um, technologists getting excited mm-hmm. about something and getting carried away with it. But, you know, what can we do today to make sure that we end up with the right results, not just um, in terms of the, the technology, but in terms of the, the business models and the use cases um, that are going to actually make it work. Um, so in other words, how can we make sure that we're not repeating the, the problems of 5G? basically. Um, and so to that end, we'll, we'll be talking about some of the um, sort of innovations and programs that are going on in North America, who are really sort of striving to, to take a leading role in this. Um, but we're also trying to bring in some of the, the other industries uh, that, that could be um, usefully engaged there, whether that's automotive or manufacturing. Mm. We're talking about uh, the metaverse. And how do we um, get whatever 6G is to, to co-evolve with them so that it ends up being useful and that they're ready for it when it appears? Um, and then, then just dealing with some of the, the other technology questions like, um, uh, you know, we know that we need AI to make all of this work because nobody could manage this um, on their own. Um, but the, the details of actually how that happens and do we need to do anything with that um, that we don't want to do already in 5G, for example. Um, you know, those, those kinds of issues, I, I think, are going to help us define not just you know, what 6G actually is, but how we get to it in, in a way that, that can, um, can make sense uh, on a sort of commercial and political level. Brilliant. Well, it looks like a great event. I look forward to tuning in and following you on Twitter where we met at 6G World. And uh, yeah, thanks for what you're doing. It's really intriguing. Uh, We're all going to be closely following uh, this initiative and uh, I I think supporting it. I mean, it's it's a really exciting time to be early in this discussion. So thanks so much, Alex. Much appreciated. I'll let you get back to uh, your lovely British summer, hopefully. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, we, we had that one day this year. <laughs> what, right, exactly. 
But thanks so much for spreading the word, sharing your time and insights. And thanks everyone for watching. Feel free to reach out with any questions you might have on, on social media. Take care. Definitely. Thanks a lot, Evan. Take care. Thanks. thanks. Bye. Bye.